Oh, the Black Panther. So just for my own information, uh, can I see a show of hands? How many of you have seen this movie? Can, can I? All right, so well represented, well represented. So, <clears throat> so this movie, worldwide, well, as just stateside, made over $700 million at the box office. That's not including around the world. But this was the highest grossing movie of 2018. Um, and from what I understand, it only cost $200 million to make. So somebody's walking around with $500 million. They're having a good day today. I'm just, just saying. But so, so the Black Panther is a movie about how King T'Challa, he's the Black Panther, and he is the king of the city called Wakanda. And Wakanda has all these amazing resources, and it's a rich city, and it has good that it can offer to the world. But King, uh, uh, king T'Challa, the Black Panther, is challenging the ancestors, uh, his ancestors, to really for for Wakanda really to be exposed to the rest of the world so that its resources and riches can be used across the globe to help everybody else. So in this first scene, check out how the city begins. Check this out. Keeping the truth of their power from the outside world, right? So in this next scene, what we have is uh, the Black Panther's father has passed away. Uh, He was the king of Wakanda. And now the Black Panther becomes the king. And so what he recognizes is his lady friend um, and some other Wakandans have been kidnapped. And so he is going to go get them and rescue them to bring them back uh, to Wakanda with him to rule the country. Check this out. So, yes, so they land in the beautiful city of Wakanda. And now the Black Panther learns that his father killed his uncle. And he begins to question the kind of leader that his own father was because of this. And his uncle had a son. Uh, so it's Black Panther's cousin. And so he's, this guy's name is Eric Killmonger. He's been off the radar for a while. But he's, you know, he's the bad guy of the movie, right? So he comes to challenge the Black Panther for the throne of Wakanda. Check this out. So Eric Killmonger comes and defeats the Black Panther, almost kills him. And so what happens is in the city of Wakanda, as you can imagine, when the bad guy gets in charge, it just casts a negative light over the entire city. Well, the Black Panther gets his health restored. He comes back. He defeats Eric Killmonger. And then he recognizes, as the king of Wakanda, he recognizes that the city now needs to use its influence for good to be bridge builders rather than barriers. Check this out. So what Wakanda needed to do was use their influence for good. That's the whole theme of the movie, right? And you and I both know the power of influence. And and here's why we know this. When you were a child, your mom most likely said something to you like, be careful who your friends are. Exactly, because whatever our friends do, we end up there right along with them, right? Be careful who your friends are, because our friends influence the direction and quality of our life. Whatever our friends do, we end up doing. I I wrote this down uh, this week that our, our best and worst decisions were because of somebody's influence, right? Our best and worst decisions, our best decisions that we're so proud of and we're excited about, and then our worst decisions where we just hang our head internally when it crosses our mind, and we're going, I cannot believe I did that. (laughs) I wrote this down this week. You bought it, you dated it, you tried it, you got arrested with, or you became successful with friends. 
It all happened that way. You know, for me, I remember because of friends, I met my wife. Because of a person's influence in my life, it directed where I went to college because of somebody's influence in my life, directed where I went for my uh, degrees beyond that. I mean, people's influence have directly changed my life. I bought an Instapot because of somebody's influence. <laughs> and I love my Instapot. I love my Instapot. I bought, or I didn't buy this, but I was given a essential oil diffuser for my office because of somebody's influence. Now, that's funny to me because I would have never gone out and bought one of those, but I love it now. Like, I'm a fan of that sucker. That thing is awesome. So, I mean, we find ourselves in all kinds of great and terrible situations because of people's influence in our life. So, the definition of influence is the power to have an effect on someone or something. I want to reiterate that word again. The power to have an effect on someone or something. And here's the reality. You already have an influence. If you're married, if you're dating, if you have children, your friends, your parents, you've already got influence with people. You already do. People make decisions based upon your opinions in your life, and, and you don't even recognize, you don't even know that. But you do. You've already got influence. As a matter of fact, I want you to think of it in this way. Every time your name is mentioned around people, people are thinking plus five, zero, or negative five. Every time your name is mentioned around people. They're thinking plus five if, you know, if you're, you know, if you're nice and considerate and compassionate and empathetic and supportive and you're friendly and those types of things, you know, that, that five starts to come down. If not, then you kind of land on zero where you're just kind of neutral. Like when people think of you, they're not really, hey, hey, or hey, you know, they're not any of those. They're just kind of, hey, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But some of us have worked our way down into the negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four, negative five. And when people think of you, they go, hmm. And the lesson for us is the higher we are on the scale. I mean, this happens when you meet people and we don't even recognize this. We're scaling people all the time as we meet them. We go, this plus five, zero, negative five. Where are they on the scale? Your brain's doing it automatically. And so the higher you are on the scale of plus five, the more influence people have over your life and you with them. That's the power of influence. But here's why this is important. Because to influence is to, and everybody say that with me, lead. To influence is to lead. And to lead is influence. John Maxwell said this years ago in a famous quote, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so the reason why influence is important is because it's how we are led, and it's how, it's how people lead us, and it's how we lead others. Influence is powerful because your influence, people are making decisions all around you because of what you think about something or what you purchased or where you went to school. You have no idea how that is influencing people around you. But here's where it resonates with you and me, okay? When we think of the word influence, we're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's comfortable. I get it. I understand it. But here's what makes us afraid. The word lead. It just does. And here's why it makes us afraid. Because it comes with expectations. If you're a leader, people have expectations of you. And sometimes we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just kind of want to show up and be there. I don't want anybody to have any expectations of me. I don't want anybody to judge me. Judgment-free zone right here. 
right? I don't want anybody to have expectations. I don't want anybody to criticize me. That's just not reality, right? I don't want to fail. That's not reality, right? And, and the reason that we're hesitant to lead is sometimes we feel like we're the, the imposter syndrome that I know that a lot of people struggle with of what if they find out I'm a fraud, <laughs> right? Or I am too scared to be in charge anymore and I don't want to have to worry about the responsibility of this leadership thing that I've got here. So we're, we're afraid of responsibility, and sometimes we're afraid of being the, being the focus of people's attention. And so it's okay to talk about influence a lot, but then when we transfer that over and go, but to influence is to lead, and whoa, 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 what if God wants me to lead in my life? You're already a leader because you're already influencing people. The question is, what kind of leader are you? And here's why I want you to listen. I think God wants to reframe our definition of leadership. I think God wants to reframe our definition of leadership. If, I were, if we were to all go grab coffee and we were to connect and I were to talk to you over your uh, drink and my you know, tall pike and we were to talk about what's a leader, what's the word leader mean to you? We'd probably have all kinds of different definitions. We just would because we all have different backgrounds and histories and uh, what we've learned and taught through school and all that kind of stuff. But really, leadership is influence because it's not a position, it's not a title, and it's not a degree. Now, all those things help. And there are, pe- there are positions where people are expected to lead because they're in that position. And, and there are titles that are given to people because that's just the appropriate title that you put with somebody in that position. And there are degrees that can help. I'm a firm believer in education. I think it's wonderful. But leadership is influence. It's not a position. It's not a degree. It's not a title. And as a matter of fact, you can do it right where you are and you don't need permission. You can lead when you're not in charge. Haven't you, have you ever talked, man, if I just could get in charge, it would be all, it'd be all better, right? No, you can lead. You don't have to be in charge. You use your influence to lead all the time. You don't have to be in charge. For some of us, leadership was never taught to us, maybe by our parents or an education system we were in. And we never thought a leadership opportunity to use our influence was even in our cards because nobody ever said it. And I might as well be talking a foreign language to you right now. And for some of us, we have a lot of natural charisma, right? And when you walk into a party, people just turn to you because you're likable and you're nice and you're funny and you're extroverted, but that's not what it really means to be a leader. So what would Jesus say? What what would Jesus say when it comes to using our influence? Because obviously he cares about this. So I think Matthew records a powerful, powerful expectation. That's the way that I would say it. The expectation that Jesus has of you and you and you and you and me when it comes to using our influence. Check this out. So Jesus is teaching. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, if you're a believer This is Jesus' expectation of you. If you've never stepped across the line of faith yet and said, I'm trusting in Jesus, you will hear Jesus' expectation for his followers. I'm so so glad you're here. Jesus says of his followers, you're the light of the world. 
like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, not the light of the community or our state or our country, northern hemisphere, not the light of the world. And he says, like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. He says, you're the light of the world. When I'm living in you, you become the light, right? Have you ever looked at people sometimes says, the light's on, but nobody's home? <laughs> That's not true in this case, right? You're the light of the world. When Jesus, when you have a relationship with Christ, there is something so powerful about that relationship it just transforms you from the inside, and Jesus calls it, and he, he equates it to a light. And here's what light does. Light illuminates, and it warms. It illuminates, and it warms. That's what it does. When you walk into a room and the lights are on, you don't stare at the light. Although I'm staring at a lot of lights right now. You don't stare at the light. You stare at what the light illuminates in the room. If you stare at the light too long, you start seeing crazy things, right? So the purpose of light is it illuminates direction. And that's what Jesus says he wants you to be. You're, you illuminate stuff. And the other thing that light does is it generates heat. It generates warmth. And there is something about your life that the light creates. It creates a sense of warmth and empathy in your life and sympathy and compassion for other people. That's just the way that light works. And then Jesus goes on to say, he goes, and then once you have the light in you, here, here's, here's how I want it to happen. Now, I want to take this lamp and I want to put it up on a table. And I guarantee you, if I were to go to your house, I would not see any lamps sitting behind a chair or a couch. I just wouldn't, unless you had one of those tall floor to ceiling lamps kind of things. But you generally put your lamps on a table where it can be seen across the room. And, and this is what Jesus is saying. I want to take your influence and I want to put it in a position where I can use it. Are you letting him do that? Are you letting him kind of pick you up and put you in position to go, I think I want you right here. And then he says, I'm going to put you in position with your light on and your good deeds that you do to influence others. Your heavenly father is going to get credit, not you. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's about your heavenly father being praised because of your good deeds and the power of your influence. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Don't think in your life, how can I be a better leader? It's not a bad question. I just don't think it's the best question. Think about this question. God, how can I be intentional with my influence? God, how can I be intentional with my influence? You've given me some influence. How can I be intentional? I don't want to be careless or carefree with this. I want to be intentional about it. So I've written some things that I think could help us be intentional about our influence. They help me. They're still helping me. And sometimes I still trip over these, and, but I think these can help you as well. So these are some suggestions. Number one, 
to be intentional with your influence or to be intentional with your leadership in whatever domain of life that you're in, first of all, you've got to care. Nothing gets better unless somebody cares. It just doesn't. Marriages don't get better unless somebody cares. Friendships don't get better unless somebody cares. Organizations don't get better unless somebody cares. Children don't get better unless somebody... Nothing changes until somebody cares. You cannot make a difference if you're indifferent. And passion is the greatest separator among us. You put two people sitting right here and one's got passion and a little bit of skill and the other's got not really much passion but he's got skill and talent, I'll take the one with passion all day long. Because there's something burning in there to make a difference. There's something that wants to change something and kick something. Let's go kick a bee's nest, see how fast we're gonna run, right? I mean, you can't pay for that kind of passion. That's the kind of passion that God wants to give to us where we're so passionate and we care about something. Whatever in your life you're looking at going, it's not getting better, could the reason be that you don't care enough. Just a thought. So care, that helps to be intentional with our influence and leadership. The second thing I wanna tell you is curiosity. Well, how can I make a difference? What are other people like me in their life that I see them making a difference? What are they doing? What have they learned? What steps have they taken? What are opportunities? What, What am I good at? How could God use me? Are you curious at all? Lead with curiosity and ask the question. And those questions can lead you to some powerful places because you'll discover something that you never knew before. God can use me to do this. God can influence my family and community by me doing this. I never thought. Who'd have thunk it, right? So curiosity is huge. Creativity is huge. I mean, think about this, y'all. Two plus two is four. Two times two is four. And six minus two is four. There's a lot of different ways to get to the end goal. And for some of us, we've gotten in our one track mind of if God's going to bring this in my life, it can only happen this way. And maybe it's another way. Maybe it's another way. Are you creative at all in your thought of how God could use you and what could happen? And I'm your friend. My name's Eric. But one of the biggest things that you and I have no tolerance for is a lack of credibility. When people's words don't match their actions, you know what we call them? We call them hypocrite. And, and sometimes it's so easy to throw stones at people that are in the public that say they're this, but then they do this, which I'm not defending. But our problem is we don't hold ourselves to the same standards. And we go, well, uh, you know, I'm just doing me. Well, if, if we want to have influence, you will need something called moral authority. And moral authority sounds a lot like integrity. And when you lose moral authority, you may be a friend and you may be a smart guy, but people have lost respect for you because what you say and do don't line up. When you lose moral authority, and we've seen this to leaders, they may be smart, but nobody's really listening. Because we go, they're not who we, we thought they were. 
Credibility is important, y'all. You want to use your influence. And then finally, courage. Mm, this thing called courage. And here's what I noticed about when you want to be influential with your influence. Uh, I said that wrong. When you want to be intentional with your influence. I want to be influential with my influence. How does that sound? If you want to be intentional with your influence, the last thing is you, you got to have some courage. And here's what I found. When you care about something so much that it just has to be, that passion pushes you when you're scared. It pushes me when I'm scared. When I think this just should be, I'm not at the cliff going, should I, should I? Yes, I'm scared to death, just like all of us are at times in life. But what I found is when I believe in something so strongly and this should be, that, that care factor just pushes me and acts as my courage along with God's help to move into the future. Sometimes we are praying for courage when we need to be praying for a burden. Sometimes we ain't moving because there's nothing to move us. Y'all tracking with me? What's moving you? Because Jesus says, light. It's a burden. It's a passion. Gets you up. And if you're not feeling that, maybe it's time to change the way that you pray. This past week, a week and a half ago, we had an incredible experience across all of our three of our locations. <clears throat> and it was our Camp Kids Summit. Amazing. Hundreds of kids at all of our locations. It was incredible. But part of the camp experience was there was a play going on in front of the kids that was really helping them understand what it meant to share and forgive and, and uh, work together and competition and all this kind of stuff. And it was kind of really the, 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 the teaching and helping the kids understand what the Bible said about all those things. So we have a guy who was part of that, and, and he was the antagonist. He, he was the bad guy of, of the play, for lack of a better word. Um, so anyway, so he comes out, you know, the first two days, and he's just kind of being rude to the kids as part of his, his role in the play, part of the, his character. And so we're not normally rude to children at church, but in the Camp Kids Summit, it's part of the, part of the story. So it was, it, it was kind of funny because we're like, okay, he's really got to go off in his character and really has to kind of upset the kids a little bit and help them. So anyway, what ha he did such a good job. Jody did such a good job. that By the end of the second day, we noticed a few things. The kids were booing him everywhere they saw him on the church location. They were booing him everywhere. So he would walk out on stage, boo, 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 didn't like him, did, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm sure this happened at our other locations, boo, boo. He would show up to teach his track outside to the boys. They didn't want to be in his track. And so we, we recognized by that third night that, uh-oh, that like the kids, he's done his part so well, the kids really don't like him. And he, he walked out and in 15 seconds recognized, it wasn't part of the script for the third night, but he walked out and he recognized that the children had such a hard time listening to him because he's just been so rude that he needed to pivot in the moment and say a prayer, ask for forgiveness, and then ask for forgiveness from the, the other leading characters here. 
And when he did, the children erupted in applause because they were so excited. And, and I, think about that. A person walks out on the stage, recognizes something within 10 to 15 seconds, pivots and does something differently that they had planned on, and it, and it, and it made a huge difference to over 400 children. What is God saying to you right now? What's resonating in your heart about this whole thing called leadership and using your influence? Because at the end of your life, what you're going to say, what you're going to ask, you're going to ask your family is, did I make an impact with my influence? That's what you're going to ask. What would our families be like? What would our schools be like? What would our businesses be like? What would our churches be like if we showed up every day going, God, I give you my influence. It's not about being a better leader. That's, that's not a bad question. It's just not the best question. God, how can I be intentional with my influence today? I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for my friends that are watching, for my friends that are gathered here, that, Lord, we are all trying to struggle through what this looks like for each of us. How do you want us to use our influence, God? How do you want us to step into the leadership space in our lives where we have people that are counting on us, people that are looking to us, people that are affected by us, and how can we represent you well? And it's in the power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen.